Welcome to Equosity, the podcast about all things equine with a special emphasis on the horse-human bond. My name is Alexandra Kurland. I'm the author of Clicker Training for Your Horse and many other books and DVDs on clicker training. And I'm joined by Dominique Day, one of the co-founders of Cavalia. Last week, Dominique was sharing tidbits from Paul Chance's book on behavior and learning. She was thumbing through the pages and landed in a section that was talking about schedules of reinforcement. Dominique has an ongoing question about duration. How do you extend a behavior out in a way that doesn't cause your learner to lose interest and disengage from the training? So I described a process that I had used a very long time ago when Robin was a very young horse. I called it the 300 peck pigeon lesson as a reference to lab experiments where pigeons were taught to peck a lever 300 times all for just one click. And I use that for a metaphor for the kind of duration that we would love to have in our horses. I would love to have the equivalent of a 300 peck pigeon horse. So I had just finished describing the procedure and Robin's discovery that do it longer was just as much of a criterion as do it better. And that's when Dominique raised the subject of reinforcement schedules. When I was editing, I decided to stop the conversation there because this is one of those subjects that really needs its own space. And for topics like this, I can't help but think of the phrase, only fools rush in where wise men fear to tread. But in we went anyway, and you get to join us. You're going to see that we have a lot of questions between us. So we're going to pick up where we left off in last week's conversation. Somewhere in that range, uh, around the 25 or 30, he figured out it was duration. Right, yeah. And, and, and that was the interesting piece yeah. because up to then, he'd been looking for all of the quality criteria that I always worked on. And it never occurred to him that it was just do it longer. Yeah. And for him, it was a huge breakthrough that there was this concept of do it longer. So you were shaping persistence. Yes. That's what you were doing. I guess you could. You know, uh, they, because it's, it's a shaping process. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Duration is also a shaping process. Absolutely, absolutely. And it's a, it's a curious criterion because it was such a fascinating one with Robin to see this concept of do it long. It is a concept of do it longer. Yeah. This is great. All you have to do is keep doing it more. You don't have to look for variations of the more. You just have to do it longer. And then what was interesting was he seemed to choose the behavior that he was going to use to do longer. So he went into head lowering. He stopped offering all of the beautiful, up, gorgeous, the th- you know, that 
that magnificent look like the fanciest dressage horse on the planet kind of movement and just went into head lowering as if, okay, if I have to do it longer, <laughs> this is the behavior that I will do longer. And that was perfect. It was beautiful because if you talk about, I need a young horse who's not getting enough turnout to be able to come out into the arena with me and walk with me on a long rain in the middle of winter, because this was done in the winter, when the arena roof is rattling from the wind, there may be snow coming off the roof, you know, all of those, the doors are banging from the wind, all of those things which can be wonderful triggers for, oh, I just feel like I need to uh, leap up in the air and, and, and twist my body around just because it feels good. And the wind is such a great excuse for jumping around. I needed him to be able to come into the arena and just walk with me. And all of a sudden, I had a horse who could come into the arena, put his head down, and just walk. We had, you know, a couple of blips as we went through, I'd say up to the 30s, 40s. And then once I got to 50, smooth sailing. And when we got to 100, I could just, we just, we could have gone to 1,000. Really? Yeah. Mm. It was, it was an, it was such a fascinating experience. And I think I did it over, as I recall, did it over three nights. And the first night we got to, I want to say close to 100. Second night we sailed to 100. Third night we were at 300 and we could have gone to 1,000. And I've had a lot of people do, because I wrote about the 300 peck pigeon extensively and it's in the my writing book. And I've had lots of people use it and use it in a lot of different settings and reasons for using it with different species and they tend they there's often they'll interpret the count in ways that are not exactly how I did the count but it's all right they they got interesting good results but it's this duration how does an animal view duration because behavior varies well it's the behavior but it's also there's this there's a topic that i learned when i first learned all about all this which i'm not hearing a lot about these days it doesn't seem to be very trendy but i think it it's directly um relevant to to this conversation and its schedule of reinforcement you know, there's all these various schedule, and it's something that I went right there in the book, in Paul Chance's book. Right. And I mean, there's a whole chapter about schedule of reinforcement, and the, I mean, there are all kinds of schedules that you can put together, and it's directly relevant to building duration. So part of the reason that it's not trendy, so this is my understanding of this, so there's been a lot of discussion about schedules of reinforcement. In the and, past, a few years yeah. back, yeah. Well, from the beginnings on. And then people like Bob Bailey would talk about what you really just need is... A variety of reinforcers, no? No. Well, that's, see, that's different. 
schedule of reinforcements and reinforcement variety are two different things. And that's where people got really tripped up and confused because they were mixing the two. Well, in a way, though, it made sense because what people were saying is it's not so much that you're on an intermittent schedule of reinforcement. It's just that you have all this variety and once it's food and another. No, that's see, those are two. You're, so be careful because you're going to start mixing apples and oranges in ways that you don't want. So the schedule of reinforcement, my understanding of how Bob was talking about it after he would and he would talk about all these different schedules of reinforcement that you can read about in the literature and but what you really want is just a one to one and when this first when he first when this first came out it was like oh but no that that can't be right but what he's saying is that I may be asking for uh, I'm trying to think of a good example that'll be clear um I want my horse standing on a mat and I'm going to reinforce him for standing on the mat with his nose forward. And every time his nose goes forward, I'm going to click and treat. And when I start to ask for more, I'm not on a variable reinforcement schedule. I, I am reinforcing him still on a one-to-one -one basis, but my criteria has my criterion has shifted. So I may be getting more behavior for my click, but my criterion has shifted and I'm still on a one-to-one -one basis so that when that criterion is met, I'm going to click and reinforce. Ooh, I think if we had behavior analysts around uh, on this conversation with Jesus, your reinforcement schedule is going down. It's getting thinner. No, you're, you're still reinforcing you're, on a one-to-one -one basis for the behavior. In this, in a ten-minute session, if you click every, I don't know, every. 10 seconds, and then you raise your criteria, and by now you're clicking every 30 seconds. But you're still... The rate of reinforcement is going down. But you're still down. on a one-to-one -one basis in terms of that animal has met the criteria. Yeah, but for him, instead of getting, I don't know, I have to calculate. If you've built your behavior well, your animal is going to f be perfectly happy with this. Yeah, but w when you say that, that means that you, in the beginning, your ratio was probably higher, and as it goes, you're stretching the ratio. But th this, so is, that... this is what loopy training does for you. So, But this is also schedule of reinforcement. This is also, um, you know, be because you, you are playing with this, with the rate of reinforcement here. I'm going to interrupt here, but don't worry. The music isn't playing. We're not stopping here. In talking about these concepts, we were beginning to get ourselves into a real muddle. And this past weekend, I was presenting at the Art and Science of Animal Training Conference. And who better to help us sort out these definitions than Dr. Jesus Rosales Ruiz? So Monday, 
At the end of the conference, I asked Jesus to take just 10 or 15 minutes to send Dominique an audio postcard from the conference. So to set the scene, we recorded this at about 9.30 in the evening after a full day of presentations and discussions. We were using what the hotel referred to as the boardroom, so it was fairly quiet, but you'll still hear some background sounds. In fact, you may be hearing some background sounds now. Those are the goats trying to tell me that it's time I left the computer and went and got them some breakfast, but that's for later. Anyway, we were sharing a microphone, so every now and then you'll hear the scraping of the mic as we moved it back and forth between us. And of course, 10 minutes turned into closer to 45, and we only stopped because we had people waiting for us. But I still couldn't resist the opportunity to have Jesus help us out and to help sort out these definitions rather than trying to continue to muddle on between Dominique and myself. So he's going to help us understand them and help us to understand how to use them. So I'm going to turn the microphone now over to Jesus and let him give us a short tutorial in understanding schedules of reinforcement. We've got a lot of different terms there that are getting mm -hmm. mixed together. Mm -hmm. So help us to sort this out. You know, that reminds me of something that uh, Furster and Skinner were doing. It is that uh, when they discovered schedules of reinforcement, they were very happy because what they saw was in the Skinner box, this is a true laboratory. And what they mean is we can even model things that they don't exist in the real world. I think that's a hugely important piece to have in this. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that's what you're bringing to us is, all right, we can model things that don't exist in the real world, but let's also remember to look at things that do exist in the real, in the world. real world. So let me go look at what the trainers are doing and see if we can come up with an explanation. But in the meantime, we have to put into perspective what is what it is that those early mm -hmm. studies were looking at what are those definitions mean mm -hmm. how do we use them or not use them mm -hmm. as we are thinking about our own training the issue was not resolved actually there is a, a really interesting article not so recent maybe like the 90s but recent uh, recent consider the history of the schedules of reinforcement has. And the title of it is, it is telling, Schedules of Reinforcement, The Sleeping Giant. The Sleeping Giant, giant. okay. Yeah, and, uh, and uh, you know, and, and part of the reason is because a lot of people try to come out with theories to explain this schedules of reinforcement and it was not satisfied. What we got, it is, um, how can I say, a mixture of analogies. The biggest one is like, for example, the slot machines are like the variable, yes, ratio, var right. variable ratio re uh, reinforcement. And that was one of the early 
metaphors that we used in clicker training yes. was the slot machine. The slot machine. Right. And, 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 it's, and, and it's also very common in behavioral analysis. That's, okay. that's for example, one thing, uh, I'd say, one thing that happened that, or one practice that is very common is that you train the behavior and then right away you put it in a variable ratio of reinforcement because it's going to be stronger, more, more stable, and and all of that. Which you know actually that's one of the rules in Karen Pryor's uh, yes Karen Pryor's uh, don't shoot the dog. But if you think about it in terms of shaping and acquisition, you will be shooting yourself in the foot if you do that. Why? Hmm? Because you you are gonna say you're shaping this behavior up. It doesn't make sense sort of like to to make it variable and I would say and quote more stronger. It is true. Let's let, let me go back. It is true that that uh, schedules of reinforcement, you know, ha, uh, generate characteristic temporal patterns. Because the distribution of the reinforcers, you know, the distribution determines sort of the pattern. Now, what what in the basic research they do, what they had found out, it is that since they like stable patterns, they they, they use them as a baseline. So they are useful baselines, like like what Joe was talking about about today. I mean, this has no use other than in the laboratory because okay. it's easier to have this kind of uh, uh, baselines, and um, it's, it's easier for those researchers to have a stable baseline so they can test some other other variables. Okay. Before you go on, can you very briefly? Just define a schedule of reinforcement. Okay. A schedule of reinforcement is simply a rule of when you're going to deliver the reinforcer. Okay. Yeah. But there are here some interesting conceptual issues. Okay. Uh, people get into these ar arguments, you know. Like, for example, what does it really mean to say intermittent? Yeah? Yeah. I'll give you an example, for example. Let's say, like, uh, one intermittent schedule is fixed interval. Okay? Okay. So, and that means that, for example, let, let's say fixed interval, uh, uh, one minute. So, that means that you're going to reinforce the first response that happens after one minute. Okay. Yeah? And now, those type of schedules, what you see, it is that at the beginning, uh, you see an scallop. The closer it gets to the time, the rat or the pigeon starts responding faster. Yeah? Okay. But the animals, animals especially rats, and pigeons do, they are very smart. Then there are situations that the rats wait for one minute and then they respond. Okay, so now the conundrum is that. Is that an intermittent reinforcement or a continuous reinforcement? Hmm? What is intermittent about it? Because you're only reinforcing one response. 
And it seems like what the rats have learned or what you're reinforcing, it is this waiting period. And the more that you do it, the more that you do it, the, the, the more efficient the animals or anybody will get. Okay? So right there. So wait a minute. I'm reinforcing just once. Yeah? That looks to me like a continuous reinforcement. Okay, so then we can turn the coin around, which is my preference. You know, I was into, into this. It's better, these are rules. Yes. Rules independent of what the organism is doing. Okay. But, but there is a strange thing about schedules of reinforcement. And some theories say that schedules of reinforcement are not true independent variables. Let me tell you that, because in science, no independent variable is expressed along with the dependent variable. Let me explain. Yes. You see, a true schedule of reinforcement will be, I'm gonna reinforce every second. Okay. Yeah, so, that, so that's independent of anything. But now if you bring back the response, which is your dependent variable is part. So I'm gonna reinforce every five responses. I say, wait a minute, why are you missing your independent and dependent variable together? Okay. Yes. And what that has led some people say, we're thinking this in the wrong in the wrong way. Maybe we're dividing this behavior arbitrarily. Okay. So we can say FR5, you can arbitrarily say is five responses, then maybe from the animal's point of view, it's just one response, a real burst. Yes. Or I just need to increase the speed. Then we're counting one, two, three, four. No, and that for them, it's not just one response. The whole thing is just one, one response. response. Right. You know, so so there are those conundrums there, you know, and people, and so to be practical, and, and like in agility, for example, or in, in your corner exercise, if you have five mats and you go around the whole circle, is that what? A fixed ratio five because you have five mats? Or it's just one around. And people say, oh, no, no, it, it is five. To me, I'd say that takes away the focus from the response to the, to the procedure. So for me, I mean, and you heard me in Clicker Expo, I, I gave this, uh, this, <laughs> this talk, yes. and I explained all the schedules of reinforcement, and uh, at the beginning, uh, at the end, my advice to everybody when I say, hey, the only schedule of reinforcement that you need, and I agree with Bob Bailey, is continuous reinforcement. <laughs> and it's better for us to be thinking that what I'm doing is extending the criteria. The standing the criteria and the criteria is always one because if I if I focus on the criteria, then I am focusing in the response that I want. Yeah? 
and I don't have to say or say this is half response, this is a quarter of response, this is two responses, three responses. I don't get into that mess. I'm saying I want to build duration. I start one second, two seconds, three seconds, four seconds, five seconds. But I'm thinking this is a five-second response. I'm not saying this is a five responses of one second. Right. That to me is artwork to, to like, like, because you arbitrarily decide that my response is one second. Now when you get, this is a, to 100 seconds, you're not gonna say this is a first ratio of 100. 100. No, I say no, this is a, a stay on the mat for 100 seconds, seconds. one response. Right, you met and, criteria. Yeah, and you get and you got the reinforced. response. Okay, now. So how do we address Dominique's concern of, but you're only getting that one reinforcer for that hundred seconds. It is true. It's true. Okay, so when you do that, the rate of reinforcement goes down. Oh. Yeah. Because you're extending the criteria, you know. Yeah, the rate of, and that's why you know it comes to a point that your reinforcer has to match the effort, otherwise you lose it. Right. And that's what they do, for example, in agility. They start reinforcing every obstacle with little reinforcers, but, uh, but once that you train the whole obstacle, then you get a sizable response. Right. You get like, that tactile, yeah, tactile, yeah. And then you get to rest, okay. yeah? And, and some people say, say, well, this is, let's say there's a 10 obstacle ring. Is this an F, again, is this a fish ratio 10 or just one whole sequence of behavior? Yeah, at the, at the end. From the point of view of training, to me, it's clearer to think on criteria. Now, it is true that the rate of, the rate of uh, reinforcement goes down. But, but extending your criteria is not the only way that the rate of reinforcement goes down. Waiting for a response or an approximation, that also drops down the rate of reinforcement. That doesn't mean that you're increasing the schedule. You, you say, for example, let's say, let's say that you're shaping me this low occurrence behavior like the chipping of the chest horse. and the horse, yeah. you know? So I do one, you reinforce me, you reinforce. But the next one, I'm still, and I'm gonna be one-to-one, -one, right. yeah? The next one is taking a long time to, to come. come. Yes. I haven't changed the schedule of reinforcement, but the rate of re reinforcement is going down yes. and that's why for example you say okay how can I prevent that and that's when you bring the target right that's when we came up with yes. the micro shaping strategy where you can yes. go to that second behavior to bring the rates of reinforcement uh -huh. up to keep your animal yes. in the and engaged the yes. in the game but now you increase the rate of reinforcement but you haven't changed the schedule you still one-to-one Mm -hmm. You're, but you see, so that that helps us to, so to speak, to be better shapers. Okay. The other issue, it is, 
People confuse the variable ratio. A variable ratio is casual reinforcement. People also think, because of the word variable, they think that they have to vary the reinforcer. Right. Yeah. And, and that is not the meaning. The meaning it is what is variable is the the number of responses that that you reinforce, okay, and it is true that that schedule produces high steady rates, but to me, uh, having experience variable ratios in portal is not because I'll say I'm. I'm how to say I'm very happy responding there, or I know that those schedules are very confusing because it's very difficult to figure out when the next reinforcer is gonna come, especially in the random. So the reason that is high rates for me is like I'm trying to figure out the pattern. I don't have any pattern, so for me to it is easier to go just steady, and the reinforcer comes. But that, only, that doesn't mean that necessarily that is a good thing, you know? And that doesn't necessarily mean that the, say, that the response is stronger, you know? Doesn't, doesn't so that you, ha you have that other confusion. A worse confusion is when you do what some people say, the twofer. Yes. Yeah. So now let's say I begin click, treat, click, treat, and now I go click, click, treat. So I'm bearing the condition reinforcing and it's variable, and I think that's really confusing. And actually, remember, I did a study where I, remember. I, 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 I did that sort of thing, and the dogs quit, they complain, they whine, they bark. They left the room. They left the room. Yeah. But it, and and so but, but people say no. I'm doing you know I'm I'm doing variable reinforcement now. I'm reinforcing every two clicks, or every three clicks, and worse. Now I'm reinforcing every click, next one. Every two clicks, next one. One click, three clicks. That is gonna drive your animal crazy. Crazy. Yeah. Because it, there is no consistency. There is. That is not pattern. So, you know, so there is a lot of misunderstandings, partly of the language and the jargon that we use, partly how these are in, interpreted. So, to me, and that's why I, can, I agree with Bob, and actually with any, I haven't seen all the good, excellent shapers, all of them use one-to-one. -one. I have never seen one that said, that goes into the variable, you, can, k, or, but because the reason that you do that, I think, and this and to me is most clear, is that you're not thinking uh, that you're changing the the scheduler reinforcement. You're thinking that you're shifting the criteria. You are shaping the the force, the duration. The the speed of the uh, of the response and all of that, right. and all of this, like for example, the speed, the speed, like for example, uh, the speed is sort of like you get it uh, uh, as an artifact of the schedule. So of course, if you have, for for example, 
if I go and an FR, and I'm gonna tap, actually tapping, I hope uh, this, this gets into the yeah, microphone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for example, I'm, I'm a FR1. Every time that I tap, it's a reverse. That's it. Click, trade, click, trade, click, trade, click, trade. And then nothing happens. I go, click, trade. What did I capture that? Did I capture what? I did like seven responses or something like that? Or did I, what did I reinforce? Seven responses or the, sp or the speed of, of tapping? Right. We Me, I would say the speed. Right. And it's the still tapping, but we are literally sort of like say the speed. But you're right, it might be the responses, or it might be the topography or the duration and those kind of things. But to me, what it happens is when, when you do that, is you're capturing the speed. And you're also then, that's when we can start to say, you're probably also capturing the frustration. The frustration, all of that kind yeah. of thing. Yeah? Because where did that speed come from? Yes. Came from the frustration. The frustration. The, because you got distinction. You withdrew the right. reinforcer. And, and you got the, the, the distinction, yeah? So usually when people, when people try to, to do this, like for example, when you do, like if you go one mat, one mat, one mat, that's FR1. When you go to the second mat, you say something to the horse, you cue the next one, and now, and, and that allows you to bridge to, to uh, say, okay, now it's longer. Okay, right. now it's longer. Now it's, uh, now it's longer. But every time that you're changing criteria, you are say, you're sort of guiding or, or use some sort of cues to, to, to do the next one. So, the it's, so building quality, mm -hmm. it's really very clear how you can keep expanding that criterion little by little and it just stays on this lovely one-to-one one. Schedule. Right. But the same where, thing with duration, you know. Right, that. so that, that was the question because where the struggle seems to be is how do I build out the duration? And the question is how do I build it out without frustrating my animal? Mm -hmm. Because from the, from the handler's perspective, as I stretch out that duration, mm -hmm. my animal is getting less and less reinforcers yeah. now the music is playing which means i'm going to stop the conversation here jesus has given us just a tremendous amount to think about and to digest so i think it's probably a good idea to hit the pause button now and give you some time to think about what he's covered so far and even though I can hear the howls of protest echoing across the internet as I say that, where people are saying, no, no, we don't want to wait. I am going to stop us here. At the Art and Science of Animal Training Conference, Kay Lawrence gave a great talk on anticipation. And that's what we're going to be building, I think, by stopping here. So next week, we'll pick up again where we left off. And in the meantime, this will give you something to look forward to. And speaking of anticipation, 
If you want to hear even more on this subject of reinforcement schedules, or if you have questions you'd like to ask based on what you've heard so far, we have a webinar with Jesus coming up. It's on Sunday, March 31st at 2 p.m. Eastern Time. Remember, that's Eastern Time. You can go to equosity.com to learn more and to register for the event. So again, the webinar is Sunday, March 31 at 2 p.m. Eastern Time. And I hope you'll join us for the live event so you can ask your own questions. And if you can't make it at that time, we will be recording the webinar so you can listen to it later. In the meantime, think of this podcast as a warm-up for the main event. And next week, we'll continue where we left off with this postcard from the Art and Science of Animal Training Conference. Until then, have fun with your training.